Good morning, Mountain Park. How are you today? Great to see you. We are in what we're calling uh, Whole Shebang Part 2. Whole Shebang is what we're referring to as God's overall story, God's grand story, the story of humanity, the story of human existence. And what we're doing is we're dividing this grand story up into seven sections. Those sections are listed in the binder that you have, or if you haven't had one yet, you could pick one in the lobby. The first section in there is referred to as the Exodus, and the Exodus is basically the story of the rise and the development of the nation of Israel, of the people of God. And as we've seen over the past few weeks, the Exodus is a story of the people of God being freed from slavery in Egypt and then rising in, in grandeur and in strength. And at the peak of their power and strength was a man named David. King David was the greatest king in Israel's history, and he's the one we're talking about this morning. He's referred to sometimes as a warrior poet. I love the fact that the manliest man in the Old Testament, perhaps in all of Scripture other than Jesus, the manliest man, the guy who killed a bear and a lion with his own hands, is a poet. And that the writer of most of our psalms, the writer of the worship of Hebrew worship, was a manly man. I mean, he is all that we should or, or perhaps uh, uh, would want to be as men. He is a man after God's own heart. He is a warrior poet. There are numerous different character issues that we could go after with regard to David. Here in Holshebang 2, we're looking at characters in the Bible and how they can impact our character. And there are numerous different things that we could look at with King David. But what I'm choosing to focus on this morning is the time between his defeat of Goliath and when he became king. It's in 1 Samuel. And we'll, we'll go there in just, just a few moments. Uh, but here's a time where David's character was tested pretty severely. And what he did is he chose to take the high road. That's the character issue we're looking at today, taking the high road. We have plenty of opportunities to either take the high road or take the low road in life. Taking the high road means that we often give people things that they don't deserve in terms of respect and, and credibility, etc. It means that we shut our mouths instead of this desire to gossip and slam other people that we're involved in conflict with. Taking the low road means that we do and we say the things that we naturally want to do and say. David does a great job of modeling for us how to take the high road. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, once again, we are thankful for your story. We want to enter into it today. And so would you come and, and make David's story just come alive for us. We know that you are here. We invite your presence to come and move and transform us in the character shaping name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. When I moved here to Arizona from Cincinnati, Ohio, the situation that I left at the church in Cincinnati, it wasn't the best of situations. Uh, I, I had been there for nine years, and uh, for reasons that I uh, won't go into details that I won't go into this morning. I felt like when I was leaving, I felt like it was sort of a don't let the door hit you on your way out kind of situation. I really did. I mean, it was kind of a, I was mad. I was mad when, when that things had to end that way, or that things did end that way. I didn't want people to get away with what they were getting away with, or one particular individual getting away with something. And, uh, and I had some ammunition 
I had some ammo. I had some information, at least from my perspective. That's how it felt to me. And so what I wanted to do, the low road, the, the natural response is to get people on my side. And so uh, it certainly was a desire and a temptation for me to talk with people in my small group and people who are participating in this church and people I'm on staff with, et cetera, to kind of, you know what happened, you know what happened to me, da, da, da. And I was so powerfully convicted in that whole experience to just think about the reality of, of where I was going and what they were doing, that I was going to Arizona, and nobody was going to come with me except my in-laws. They came a year later. Yeah, but you, you know, that's kind of a side story. But, but nobody else came with me. They were staying there. This was their church. And let me tell you, the church that I'm talking about, it's a great church. It was a great church. It still is a great church. I'm just talking about how something felt to me on the way out. It happens in life because we're human, because we're carnal, because we're imperfect. But it was just the reality of thinking the, of the fact that I'm leaving, they're staying, this is their church. I had to shut my mouth. I didn't tell a soul how I felt about that, whole, about that whole experience. There was only one person here in Arizona who knew about that whole experience. That was the chairman of the board. I didn't tell anybody in my small group, didn't tell any of my best friends, didn't tell anybody on my, on my staff, didn't tell any of the leaders that I worked with in the church. I felt very convicted to do that. And I said, I would keep my mouth shut for at least five years. If you were with us over the last couple of weeks and you, uh, when you graciously celebrated me being here five years, now it's my turn to talk. And let me tell you, no, 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 no. I'm not going to go after that. But we all can think of those opportunities where we have the choice to take the high road or to take the low road. In marriage, sometimes we take the low road when we fight back in unfair ways, when we get defensive, when we lash out at this person that we are in covenant with. Uh, one of the ways that we can take the low road in terms of marriage is if we respond in a way that has nothing to do with the issue that we're talking about. So, gentlemen, your wife might say, uh, you know, would it be possible for you after a meal to bring your dishes and actually put them in the dishwasher all by yourself? Could you do that, please? Would that be possible? Now, let's set aside whether or not that's the right way to say that, okay? But the wrong way to respond is to say, oh, yeah? Well, who's the one who crashed into the garage last year? See, see that's taking the low road. We kind of bring in something totally irrelevant. And this is the way we fight so often. This is the way we do this kind of thing. We see this thing at work sometimes. We take the low road. When we want to slam or trash the company, the boss, the situation, and get those in our area to get on our side, get them on our side, team up with me. As Jerry talked about the Super Bowl this, this afternoon, go Packers, sorry. And, uh, and who will be the most disliked player on the field between both teams? Let's be honest. Big Ben. Roethlisberger, right? Okay, here's a guy who has a little bit of a track record of not taking the high road in life. And, and this, is, this is what happens to us when we do this. See, it's, it's the low road that makes covers of magazines. It's the high road that builds our character. Let me tell you, the high road 
is often way harder. We know this. As we think about situations we're currently in or that we're entering into, the high road is so often harder. I mean, just think physically about about running or, or some sort of experience where you have a road in front of you or you're in a vehicle, that the high road, if you have the option of just kind of coasting or, or going flat or taking this high road right at the beginning, which is the easier one? Which is the temptation to take? I'm just going to go here. I don't want to do all that work right now. But it's the high road that later on gives us momentum. It gives us a better perspective. It gives us perhaps an opportunity later on to to go on the downhill just a little bit. And here's the point that I want to make as we look into David's story real quickly this morning, that the high road is often a challenge in the short term, but it is a blessing in the long term. The high road is so often, I can so often relate to to many of your situations that you're thinking of right now, the high road is a challenge in the long term. It is a blessing, I'm sorry, it is a challenge in the short term, it is a blessing in the long term. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Samuel. We're going to jump in on chapter 20. Uh, To find 1 Samuel, I'd go about a quarter of the way into your Bible, and you'll probably land on either Samuel or Kings. And what we find in the Old Testament is 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, and those four books make up the history of the kings of, of Israel's monarchy. And of those four books, we're going to the very first one, 1 Samuel. This is where we find the story of David and Goliath. One of the most known and loved stories in the Old Testament, perhaps in the Bible. The mighty story of David and Goliath. If you haven't read it recently, give it a read. Give the Bible version of that story a read. It's fantastic. But we're not even going to talk about that today. If If you haven't read the rest of 1 Samuel, let me tell you, you are missing out. 1 Samuel is an incredible book. It is a great read. It should be a movie. It would be an incredible movie. It's kind of of in the genre of the fugitive and that kind of thing. We'll see as we get into it. It's a great story. Fantastic story. Okay, 1 Samuel, what happens here is David kills Goliath. And at the time, the king is Saul. It's King Saul. And at first, Saul is thrilled. He's excited. Wow, this shepherd boy killed Goliath. The Israelites, we won. And Saul is happy. And then David gets opportunity to fight more Philistines. And he kills more and kills more. And there's a little, there's a little song that, happened that we see in 1 Samuel. Saul has killed his thousands, and David is tens of thousands. Da, 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 da. And, and I, I imagine, if you watched uh, Beauty and the Beast, I imagine those three girls at the beginning of the movie, you know, where they're, ah, ah, and they're doing this whole thing because it's David. It's David. And there's this beautiful little boy, and, you know, grown man named David, and everyone's, ah, and what happens is Saul gets jealous. He turns from celebrating this young man to getting jealous of him, insanely jealous. And what happens with Saul is he ends up wanting to kill David. Saul, the current king, ends up wanting to kill the future king. At the same time, David becomes best friends with Saul's son named Jonathan. We're actually going to look at Jonathan's story next week. Don't want to miss that. And so, it's a lot of things you don't want to miss. So, so uh, uh, 
David is best friends with Jonathan. And here at the beginning of chapter 20, David and Jonathan have a little conversation. 1 Samuel chapter 20, the very first verse. Then David fled from Naoth at Ramah and went to Jonathan and asked, What have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he is trying to take my life? See, the low road says, Jonathan, your dad is a whack job. Your dad, he's, he's losing it, and we gotta, we got to kind of conspire some way around this. The high road, David says, what have I done? Jonathan, can you help me out here? Because maybe I'm not seeing it. What is my role in this? In the next chapter, what happens is that David receives help from a, uh, from a priest. See, Saul is pursuing David, trying to kill him. And David receives help from a priest. Saul finds out about this, and he kills the priest. And the priest's son escapes and comes and talks to David about it. Jump to chapter 22. The end of chapter 22. Verse 22, when David said to Abiathar, Abiathar is the son of the priest who was killed. David said to Abiathar that day when Doeg the Edomite, it's a great story, it's amazing. Doeg is the one who ratted on the priest, told Saul about it, and then eventually Doeg was the one who killed the priest, killed this boy's father who was the priest. When Doeg the Edomite, this is David saying, that day when Doeg the Edomite was there, I knew he would be sure to tell Saul, I am responsible for the death of your father's whole family. Stay with me. Don't be afraid. The man who is seeking your life is seeking mine also. You will be safe with me. We take the low road when we polish our halo. When we look up with those big eyes like, Puss in Boots from Shrek, if you know what I'm talking about. And we think, look what happened to little old me. Why would this happen to me? See, persons of character, persons who take the high road, are persons who say, like David, I am responsible. I have a responsibility here. I am responsible for something in this conflict. Let me just remind you that in no adult conflict, no adult disagreement with your boss, with your friend, with your spouse, in no adult disagreement is it one side. Is it 100% one-sided? Never, never. Maybe with an adult and a little child, yes, that can happen. With, a, with adult situations, the ones that we're thinking of right now, never one-sided. Never. When we take that position of, I'm the victim, this has all happened to me, I'm the victim, we never get to the place of looking into our responsibility. What part in this we have played. This is so high road character building. Instead of just throwing darts over there to say, okay, in what way do I have a responsibility? In what way do I have a role here? Small or large. The flip side of this is that you are never 100% at fault. When we interact with adults, you are never 100% at fault. 
so we have this ongoing story of Saul, the current king, chasing after David, the future king. I want to jump now to chapter 24. Here's a situation that David finds himself in. Beginning of 1 Samuel chapter 24. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. The uh, message version says that he made his, gladder, uh, he made his bladder gladder. Um, <laughs> I mean, for those of you who have been here for a while, you wouldn't expect me to read that and not say something. But... Uh, Okay, it doesn't say that in the message. He went in to relieve himself. I love the Bible. Uh, David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of. When he said to you, I will give your enemy into, the hands, into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. The men around David said, I will give, said, said, this is the day the Lord spoke of. When he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. There's something crucially important to understand. In reading this story here, in reading that sentence, that's not what God promised. This is so essential to read here. That's not what God promised. God never said that that's what he was going to do. We get so confused with what God has promised. We get so disappointed with God because he hasn't come through on things that he's never promised to come through on. We get mad at him because he hasn't done something that he ever promised he was going to do. Last week, we sang the song, uh, Your Grace is Enough. You guys know the Chris Tomlin song. You guys know this song. The, there, there is a, a ramp up to the chorus that says, Remember your people. Remember your children. Remember your promise, O God. And my wife said to me last Sunday uh, afternoon, she said, Alan, I was... I was I was worshiping with that song, and I don't know what that promise is. What is that promise that that song is referring to? I look around, and, and everyone's singing, and everyone seems to know what that promise is. What is that promise? And so I said to her, Tammy, Tammy. I mean, I don't want to be condescending to her, but I, the seminary graduate, said, Tammy, did you listen to the beginning of the song? Where it comes in, it goes, now, 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 now. Then the drums kick in. Did you hear that? It's a great song. Isn't it awesome? In other words, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what promises. See, my wife has this great ability to fully engage with the content of the lyrics in worship and say, I'm not sure I fully agree with that. I'm not sure I'm going to sing that part. I fully get that. I'm going to sing that. She just has this great way of engaging it. So we talked about it that afternoon. What are God's promise? What is the promise? And in the lyrics of the song, it doesn't make that super clear what promise the song is referring to. So we talked about that. God does not promise that we will have sunny days for the rest of our lives, even if we live in Arizona. He doesn't promise that the rain is not going to fall on those who are faithful to him, who take the high road, who are investing in their character. He doesn't promise that we're going to win 
in every experience that we have in life. He doesn't promise that the high road is going to be clear for us what that high road is. And the benefit of taking the high road is going to be experienced by us soon or in this particular way. He doesn't promise so many of the things that we want him to promise. What he promises is that he will never leave us or forsake us. It's in that song that Marsh sung just a lot. I love that song. You are here with me. You are here with me. When we take the low road, we go in the way of our natural response and we take the low road, God is right there with us, encouraging us to make some character changes. When we take the high road and it's hard because it's uphill, He is right there with us like He was with Joshua. We talked about last week saying, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. You can do this. You can do this. We just need to be careful what we think God is promising us. And what happened is David's buddies in the cave, these are his friends. These, These aren't his adversaries. His buddies told him this deceptive promise that God has has given Saul to you. Kill him. They've given, the buddies gave David this deceptive promise. This is the work of the enemy. The enemy is referred to, he's the third character in our overall story. There's God and there's us and there's the enemy who is hell-bent on destroying the relationship between God and us. And he is referred to as the deceiver. He did with Adam and Eve and the whole apple situation, the, the fruit. And he does it with us. And so often he does it through the people we do life with. So often he does it through the people that have influence on us. How often when you go to work, does someone at your place of work say, wow, I'm so sorry to hear how difficult things are going at home between you and your wife. But You need to remember that you need to unconditionally love her and respect her and pray for her daily. She is a daughter of the king of the universe. How often do we hear that at work? Not, not so often. We usually hear, man, she's got issues. (laughs) Let's go to a movie. What do you think? Right? I mean, mean, we, we so don't always hear, go the high road, go the high road, go the high road, from the people that we do life with. These were David's buddies. Let me tell you, you are blessed if you've got people in your life who annoy you to the point where they encourage you to take the high road. You are blessed if you have that because it's rare and it's a gift. You're thinking, really? Let's see how David responds here. The second half of verse 4 here, still in chapter 24. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. In other words, David felt like he took a little low road, and he wanted to take the high road. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. You notice what David referred to Saul as here in this story? David referred to Saul, the one who was trying to kill him. 
refer to him as the anointed one. Here's in the cave, he says, this is the anointed one. He doesn't refer to him as his enemy, as the one who is in the way of him becoming the king, becoming the, the big head cheese, the one that he wants to become. He doesn't call him that. Even in this tragic and disgraceful story of Saul trying to pursue and kill David, his son-in-law, David marries Saul's daughter. David's his son-in-law. Even in the midst of all that, David refers to him as the anointed. I was uh, this week trying to learn what this phrase means, take the high road. You know, what's the, what's the root of that phrase? Where did it come from? Why, why do we say this? And so I went to the place that any modern Bible teacher is going to go, answers.yahoo.com. And I found a, 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 the very exact question from a, a woman named, uh, uh, codenamed Tia Angry. And she writes the exact question. She says, what the beep, because you got to be creative with that on a Yahoo, what the beep does take the high road mean? That was her title. And she says, he deserts me and my three kids, and I'm supposed to take the high road? Did anyone tell him to take the high road? If you step on my foot, should I say, sorry, my foot was there? Or if you shoot me, should I say, sorry, I was in the path of your bullet? I'm taking care of myself and my kids. Life is good. But take the high road, call a B-A-S-T-A-R-D, a B-A-S-T-A-R-D. said it quickly so that we would uh, move on through that. The number one voted answer from codename Sexy Mama. <laughs> I just... I just say what I read. <laughs> Quote, take the high road means take him to the high court. Bleed the, <laughs> bleed the selfish, self-centered scoundrel for every penny you can get. I heard a few amens. <laughs> See, there's a reason, friends, that that I go here for how to do life <laughs> rather than here. Are you with me on that? So the question is, how do you view the person that you are in conflict with? How do you view that person? Is he a B-A-S-T-A-R-D or is he the father of your children? Is she the killer of fun? <laughs> or is she your bride with whom you are in covenant? Is he the thorn in your flesh or is he your boss? I mean, we are to look at people for what they could be, what they were intended to be, not perhaps what we think they've become. It, it, if you're married and you see your spouse as, as that negative thing, that's who he or she will continue to be. The high road means that we continue to see that person for who God had intended him or her to be. Now, there's, 
an unwritten 11th commandment that many embrace as part of the Bible uh, story. That the words are not in there, but we, we can pretty confidently say that there is a commandment that says, Thou shalt not be stupid. Okay, so I, I just want to be realistic with all this. Here in our story, David never went to Saul by taking the high road, never went up to Saul and said, Okay, kill me, do whatever you need to do, because I'm God's servant. And then that was it. David never did that. He was respectful to Saul, considered him the anointed, but at the same time, he continued to make preparations through training, through gathering of, of people, through getting equipment, so that in the event that one day he would be king, that he would be ready. And we can do likewise. That we can, we can continue to show respect for those that we are in conflict with. We can seek reconciliation again and again and again. Honestly, eagerly seeking reconciliation while at the same time, thou shalt not be stupid and it's okay to prepare for the, for the possibility of this person, boss, friend, whatever, remaining on the low road because we have got to keep on in life. We've got to keep moving on. Does that make sense? I think David models for this. He was ongoing. He never called Saul his enemy. He was the anointed one. The high road is so often a challenge in the long term, in the short term, but a blessing in the long term. I want to look at one more little story here, and, and then we're done. In fact, it's a story very similar to the situation that uh, David found himself in the cave. In chapter 26, Saul is once again pursuing David, and he has 3,000 men with him. 3,000 men, and they're camped out in these tents, and Saul is in the very middle. And David and another guy, they creep in at night while everyone's sleeping, and they go into Saul's tent. And no one detects them. And they go in there, and the guy that was with David sees a spear right next to Saul's head. Picks up the spear and said, David, I can finish it now. I can kill him right now. Once again, David says, do not lay a hand on the anointed one. That's not what we're here to do. They take the spear, leave, get a safe distance away, get on the mountaintop. And I can't, just can't imagine how he can speak to 3,000 people who are sleeping. But here's the thing. He gets safe distance away up on the mountaintop and says, wake up. Everybody wake up. Everyone comes out of the tents. Ah! And he says, you didn't protect your king. I could have killed him. This is his spear. I could have killed him. I want to read a couple verses here in chapter 26, verse 22. Here is the king's spear, David answered. Let one of your young men come over and get it. The Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and faithfulness. The Lord delivered you into my hands today, but I would not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. As surely as I valued your life today, so may the Lord value my life and deliver me from all trouble. Then Saul said to David, May you be blessed, my son David. You will do great things and surely triumph. So David went on his way, and Saul returned home. This wasn't Saul's transformation. Saul was was loony. He went back and forth, back and forth. But hear what he says to his son-in-law? You will be blessed, my son David. There's blessing 
in the long term when we take the high road. Verse 23, let me read it again. The Lord rewards every man and woman for his righteousness and faithfulness. The Lord rewards for righteousness and faithfulness. That reward, it may come during our time here on this earth. It may have to wait. There's no guarantee when we take the high road that things are going to lay out exactly the way we hoped that they would. Sometimes we become king. Sometimes we don't. When David took this high road, this, this decision for character, he didn't know exactly how it would turn out. He didn't even know if he would eventually end up being king or if he'd be killed by Saul. He didn't know. But he took the high road anyway because he believes the Lord rewards righteousness and faithfulness. Remember, God doesn't promise a life of happiness. That's not what he promises. We did our hot topics, hot dates. Uh, This Wednesday was the first one as we got started in the year. And, and the topic for, there was over 50 couples who were there this Wednesday. It was awesome. And, and these couples that had gathered, the first uh, topic, first message was about expectations, to have reasonable expectations for our spouse and for what God has to, has to say about our marriage. He never promises, if you do this, this, and this, you will be happy in your marriage. That's not what he promises. He promises that he will continue to love us immeasurably. He promises that he will never leave us or forsake us. He promises that we will experience freedom when we surrender ourselves to him. The high road is a huge challenge in the short term, but a tremendous blessing in the long term. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, I know that there are scenarios, situations popping up in in all of our minds here this morning. Opportunities to take the low road or take the high road. It's just a simple prayer, God, as we close up here today. Would you just give us the wisdom and the strength to take the high road? It is so natural for us to take the low road. You sent your son Jesus so so that we would know that you fully understand the desire to take the easy way. To, to run our mouth off and gossip and slam other people. And God, would, would you remind us this morning in an encouraging way to take the high road, to remember that there is a reward for us as we think long-term, as we trust you every step of the way, knowing that you are here with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. I hope you have a great, great, great day. Celebrate the game. Take the high road all day. All right. See you next time.